So today we're going to be talking about, I just want to, this is kind of a special Sunday, we're going to, we're going to be talking about heroes. Uh, and I think a lot of times when we, if, uh, we read books, uh, uh, we read different stories, we watch movies, uh, documentaries and things like that, of people that have, have risked their life for others. Uh, just like people who serve in the military and that put their life on the line, they risk, the, the risk, their, lives, uh, risk their lives for uh, for the service of, or into the service of others, and so this morning what I want to talk. About, I want to talk about that, but I want to talk about heroes because there's some people that kind of rise above. And for many of us, I don't. Know, I shouldn't speak for many of us, but I think there's a thought that you know that there are some people that are heroes, and then you got the rest of the common folk, right? How would you describe a hero in just like a couple words? You don't have to go into a philosophical discussion, but just real quick, just kind of shout out what? How would you define a hero? Above and beyond. Brave. I'm sorry. Brave. Someone's willing to sacrifice their lives for the human living? So someone else can live. Absolutely. Someone else said something? Same thing. Okay. Others. What makes a hero? Selfless. Do we have any heroes in our midst today? And the crowd falls hush. Yes. What's that? First responders. First responders, yeah. Why do you say yes, Pat? Veterans, yeah. Okay. Okay, I want everybody to really, this is the main point, all right? I'm going to give it to you, and then we're going to unpack it. This is the main point. Every single one of us sitting in here this morning is a hero. Every single person sitting in here is a hero because, as a Christian, we're called to be selfless. We're called to sacrifice. We're called to put ourselves on the line. We're called to do what is right when everyone else may be doing what is wrong. We're called to be brave. We're called to be filled with courage, right? Why is it that as we as Christians at times forget that? Why is it that we kind of have that term and disciple on the same shelf? Well, that's not really me. That's someone that's a little bit more than me. So that's this person up here. They're, you know, or, you know, like a that's a disciple. That's not me. That's not lowly me. I just go to my job. I do this. I do that. We just sang a song that I thought was very interesting. You know, we sang a song that um, I, we, 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 we we, we believe who, we, who God says we are. That's, that, that is the essential uh, crux of it all, is what we should be doing, is believing what God, how God sees us, how God sees you. The problem is, we fall into deception. That's the problem. We fall into this deception, we're deceived by Satan, because the last thing he wants us to understand is that we're all heroes, okay? We're all heroes, how then can we make statements, uh, or how then can we read passages in the Scripture, if we're not all heroes, how can we read passages in Scripture that says this, 1 Corinthians 4.20, that says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Now, as Christians, as Christ followers, are, are we citizens of the kingdom? We are, aren't we? We're citizens of the kingdom. We're sons and daughters of God now. We are in his family. We've been adopted into his family. We should not be people that's just all about talk, but it's about power. He goes on to write in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, Paul does, and he says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. We're all called to be heroes. 
Again, some may say, you know what, I'm just not hero material. Some of us may say, well, you know, I'm just not hero. I get it, I get where you're coming from, but I'm just not hero material. Some of us might even say, you know, you really don't understand what's in my past. Because in our minds, our past dictates our our present and our future, right? Which it does, it can. But a lot of times what's in our past, Satan uses against us. And then we believe it, we become deceived, and we say, well, I can't be a hero now because you don't know what I did in my past. You don't know what I'm struggling with. You don't know these things. You're right, I don't know these things. And I've said this before, I don't know those things. But here's the beauty of it. God, God is living in and through you. So what's the point? What's the point? Our past has been forgiven. If, if you've received Him as your, as your Lord and Savior, if you've surrendered to His Lordship, He is now your King. He is now your Heavenly Father. We live in His kingdom. We are part of His kingdom, meaning that we have power. It's not just about talk. I want to share with you, though, uh, a, a story found in the Old Testament. Because I think it goes exactly with what we're talking about. Where we say, well, I'm really not a hero. I'm not of hero material, or I've done this, or I've done that. And so we, we, we struggle to understand and to believe, how, to believe in and see ourselves as God sees us. As God, our God-created identity. There's a story found in Joshua chapter 2. So if you would go back into the Old Testament, grab the Bible out of the, out of the pew in front, back of the pew in front of you if you would. All you have to do is go to the front of the Bible and go in about, what, five, four or five books, and you're going to run into Joshua. Joshua is, has, um, uh, Moses has passed. Joshua is now stepping up to lead the nation. God is building his nation. Uh, they came out of the uh, wandering around in the wilderness. They, they are now ready to go in to their first uh, conquest of Jericho. And we read about someone that you all probably, if you've been to church for a little while, you've probably heard of this woman's name by the name of Rahab. How many of you would consider Rahab a, a hero? How many of us would say, hey, that harlot, that prostitute is a hero. You know, do you get my point? How is it that she, how is it that, and we're going to look at her life, but how do we look at her life and we see hero characteristics, but yet we look at our lives and we don't see any? So we're going to look at a woman that was considered an outcast, essentially. Uh, She wasn't even Jewish. She wasn't Hebrew. But she lived in this city of Jericho. And now the Hebrews are coming in to take over. And I want you to follow along. Please don't assume that you've read this and you already know it and there's nothing to gain from it. That's a very big oversight on your part. Please follow along with me. Lean into this. And we're going to look at... um, I I just want to look at this passage of Scripture. So uh, this whole chapter, this... Uh, so what happens is Joshua sends a couple spies into Jericho. Uh, they, Rahab hides them. And, uh, and then we're going to pick up on this story. They come and they talk, the, the people of Jericho, the king of Jericho, uh, sends people to say, hey, where are these two uh, spies that came in? And she says she doesn't know where they're from. She doesn't even know where they're at now. And so we pick up on the story after they leave. And she goes to these two men that she's hiding. And let's, let's go down in verse 8. And it says this. Before the men, the spies, before the men fell asleep, she, Rahab, went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror, you, you, and the, and that the terror, terror of you has fallen on us and everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before, when you came out, before, you, before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings, you completely destroyed across the Jordan. 
When we heard this, we lost heart, and everyone's courage failed because of you, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Very interesting how a prostitute that's not even a Hebrew would make that statement about our God. And it says, uh, it goes on to say, Now please swear to me by the Lord that you will also show kindness to my father's family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them and save us from death. The The man answered, We will give our lives for yours. If you don't report our mission, we will show kindness and faithfulness to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, since she lived in a house that was built into the wall of the city. Go to the hill country so that the men go to the hill country so that the men pursuing you won't find you, she said to them. Hide there for three days until they return, afterward go on your way. The men said to her, We will be free from this oath you made us swear, unless when we enter the land you Tie this scarlet cord to the window through uh, which you let us down. Bring your father, mother, brothers, and all your father's family into your house. If anyone goes out the doors of your house, his death will be his own fault, and we will be innocent. But if anyone with you in the house should be harmed, his death will be our fault. And if you report our mission, we are free from the oath you made us swear. Let it be as you say, she replied. And she sent them away, and after they had gone, she tied the scarlet cord to the window. Very interesting. So she hides these two men. She, uh, and she explains the whole story. She says, hey, we've heard of you guys. And she, she, you know, she says, you know, will you spare my family? And, and, and they agree to it as long as she keeps uh, their mission secret from the rest of the people. And they hand her a scarlet cord, which is quite interesting because it takes us back to the imagery of the Passover, doesn't it? It takes us back to the imagery of the Passover that, that as long as that scarlet cord is there, uh, then, then uh, their lives will be spared, just like it was back during the time of the Passover. But we look at this woman by the name of Rahab, and it's easy to, I think it's easy to look at her and, and, and compare our lives to her and say, well, she doesn't really look like a hero. Maybe I don't look like a hero. But I want you to look at some of the characteristics that Rahab lived her life out. And what's very, very interesting about this woman, Rahab, who was a prostitute, okay, she ends up being in the lineage, in the, lot, the bloodline of Jesus, King David, and then eventually Jesus Christ. Not even a Hebrew. Not even a Hebrew. But yet she demonstrated faith. She demonstrated some characteristics that I think is very important for us today and to look at ourselves and say, you know what? That is what a hero is about in the eyes of God. The first one is this. A hero, you begin to see yourself more from God's perspective versus your own. That's what we just sang about. You know, I am who you say that I am. If we would just believe that, not have this big egotistical big head where we're filled with pride, but we're humble, we're contrite, and we begin to view ourselves the way God uh, views us. And at some point, we've got to stop looking at ourselves the way other people may look at us, the way our families may have looked at us, the way our friends may look at us, the way coworkers may look at us, may look at us. We got, there's some point where we've got to see and believe this is the way God sees me. God died for me. God saved me. God, I'm an object of God's love. God loves me. God has created me to be so much more than I can ever be. God, I mean something to God. I was formed, Psalm 139. I was formed in my mother's womb before I was, I mean, he knew about that. He knows me. I'm not some accident, but God absolutely loves me. You see, people begin to treat us the way that we see ourselves at times. 
If I see myself as someone that can't measure up to other people, I start acting that way. And when we start acting that way before other people, that's what we kind of believe about ourselves. That's how they start looking at us because that's how we present ourselves. And and it's just this weird dynamic that, that takes place. You see, God always sees us differently. He doesn't see us like our families see us at, t- at times. Some of us may have had families that, don't, that never saw us in good light. Uh, but, but that's not the way God is. At some point, we don't have to earn the acceptance of God. God loves us. We receive, we accept His free gift of grace and salvation. He died for us. He, he, um, he invited us and adopted us into His family. And at some point, I don't have to please my boss. I don't have to please my parents. I don't, you don't have to please your spouse. You don't have to continue to try to please your children or, or whatever. Even you know, This is about us serving God and loving God and lifting Him up and giving Him glory. God always sees us differently. God always sees us through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. God sees our true potential, our true God-created identity. For some of us, we've lived our whole lives not seeing our God-created identity. For some of us, we will live our whole lives never tapping into our true God-created identity because that's not how we see ourselves and we're deceived and we will continue to live our lives that way. Where God's saying, no, no, there's so much more to you. There's so much more about you. I created you in my image. Listen to what 1 Corinthians says, uh, chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Brothers, consider consider your calling. Not many of you are wise... Not many of you are wise uh, from a human perspective. Not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world and what is viewed as nothing to bring to nothing, uh, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something so that no one can boast in his presence. But it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became God-given wisdom for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that, as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. God sees us completely different. God sees us like we have this, you know, this... Now, uh, again, he takes what is... He may take someone that's not a hero, right? You know, and he makes us into the hero. That's how we're heroes. It's not something that we do. It's something that God births and does in and through us, in, in and through you. Listen to what happens in, Paul writes in Romans 9, verses 25 through 26. Uh, he says in, in the book of Hosea, as he also says in Hosea, I will call not my people, my people. And she who is unloved, beloved. And it will be in the place where they were told, you are not my people. There will be, they, will, they will be called the sons of the living God. God says, I will, I've created you to be somebody. I, I didn't make some mistake. I, di- I didn't butcher this up. I didn't botch this up. I've created you to bring me glory. I've created you to exalt me. I've created you to be an object of my love. I've created you so that I can share with you that which is what what I have, what, what who I am, I want to share with you. And if you're not going to receive that, if you're not going to receive that, then I will, I will, you know, there are people that will, and I will go to them. That's what he's saying here. I will call the, the, the you, you, were, you were once my people, but you never really believed in that. So now I'm going to other people that wasn't really called my people. 
As long as we keep looking at others to define who we are, we're always going to live in some sort of vacuum. And sometimes we're so afraid to put it on pause and to say, God, who, who am I really? How many of us have sat down and said, God, who am I? Who am I? How have you created me? How, how, what is it that, that you want to do in and through me? Because we're running so fast to accomplish our own agendas. We, we, we're so quick to do all these other things and, and we, we miss out on who God has truly created us to be. We don't want to hear God speak truth in our lives sometimes because it causes pain. Because there may need to be some change that has to take place. And pain typically will lead to that change. So, if we are never willing to do that, we never change. Some of us, we are so deceived. We convince ourselves, this is who I am. I will never change. I know it all. I know everything. I will never, and it's like, we'll, we'll never say, I don't think we'll ever say, I will never change. I just think some will never change because they never take a minute and pause and come before God in a humble, contrite spirit and say, God, who am I? How did you create me? Because that's a very vulnerable, dangerous position to be in, Right? Because God will answer us. God will talk to us. God will say, here are some edges we need to rub off. Here are some ways that you're buying into deception. You're being led into deception. You're deceived. And some of us will never pause and say, God, who am I? And we'll continue to see ourselves the way we see ourselves from a human perspective. That's not a hero. A hero begins to understand how God sees ourselves and we live and we live into the way God sees us. And God, you know, when we look at Rahab, we see the same thing in a sense. Rahab's a prostitute. Rahab's a harlot. Why would they ever spare her life? Well, for one starters, she must have had some different perception because she had some bold courage to step out and to hide these men and to say, look, I will hide you, but you've got to spare my family. Listen to what happens next. Heroes believe God answers prayers in the hardest of moments. In the hardest of moments, it's not going to other people for counsel. It's not going to other people for their opinion, even though that can be, that's, that can be good at times, you know, uh, uh, where we walk hand in hand with other people, where uh, iron sharpens iron. I get that. But at some point, it never replaces God, who God is. We believe that God will answer prayer in the hardest moments. We go to Him. We believe. We have faith. Listen to what she says in verses, uh, uh, chapter, verses 8 through 11. She says, Before the men fell asleep, she went up to the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings you completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart. And everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven, above and on earth below. How does this woman have a sense of faith? How does she have a sense of faith? Listen to what happened. Listen to what she's saying. In this passage of Scripture, can you hear the words the, the, the words of the emotions that are describing her people? Terror. Panicking. Lost heart. Courage failed. The outcome looks pretty dismal, doesn't it? The outcome looks pretty dismal, but Rahab says, wait a minute, there's, there's something bigger here. 
There's something bigger here, and she's not focusing on that. She's not focusing on what God did to these other people for the sake of the Hebrews. She's focusing on God. She's heard about this God. This God has made himself known by the way he's protected his people, the Hebrews, the Israelites. And she's not focusing on the negative. She's focusing on the positive. She's focusing on God. And she's more or less presenting a a sense of a prayer here to say, hey, look, you know what? Regardless of the calamity taking place around me, around me, I believe that God, I believe in this God and that God could rescue. You see, that's a hero. A hero, regardless of the calamity, regardless of how dismal it looks, regardless of all the opinions that shower around them that says, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't change. You can't go into that. You can't have that conversation. You can't go to that person. You can't do this. You can't save your marriage. You can't, you can't, you can't. A hero doesn't, a hero doesn't focus on that. A hero focuses on what can change and focuses on God. They believe that God will rescue in the midst of the darkest moments of their lives. All of Jericho was filled full of fear. They were decimated. The the Israelites, they haven't even done anything yet. They haven't done a thing yet. And Jericho was filled with terror. They had lost heart, courage, panicking, everything. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Let me ask you a question. What prayer are you praying to God right now? Is your life in such a way that you don't really have a prayer where you're saying, God, I'm I'm in a tight spot and the only thing that can help me through this is this. Maybe we're not being challenged. Maybe we're just kind of sitting back. Maybe we're just kind of idle. Maybe we're not putting ourselves in a position to where God can use us you know, to bring himself glory and to exalt him. But what are we trusting God for? What are you trusting God for right now? Right now as I ask that question, what comes to your mind where you say, this is what I'm trusting God for. This is what I'm asking. This is what I'm trusting God for within my life. What, you know... What great fear might you be having that scares you half to death right now? And, but instead of that, you're saying, you know what? I'm going to trust God in the darkest of times here because I know that he, can, that he can make things happen. The third thing that happens here that we see in Rahab's life is this. Heroes call out for miracles for other people. Did you listen to what she said when she made her request? Not once did she really say herself, at least in my translation. Not once did she say, really say herself, she started talking about her family, which I find very interesting because this is a woman, and in that culture it was very male-centric. Is she taking care of her whole family? Could it be that this woman is, has the burden of, of, of trying to take care of her whole family? I don't know. I'm just asking the question. We, could, we don't really have that information but I find it very interesting that a woman is approaching the, or uh, is, is connecting with these spies and she's saying, hey, I need you to do, I, I, you've got to promise me this. You've got to promise me that you will save my family. Now again, she's probably concluding herself in there. But how many of us would start off with that versus me? Me, I, I. And then, oh, by the way, can you save my family too? Oh, if they're there, can they go too? She didn't lead off with that. It was, can you save my family? I don't, know where, I don't know where Rahab, I don't even know if Rahab, you know, we, we, we talk about, a few years ago we talked about um, in Ethiopia how many of the women there in Ethiopia will turn to prostitution as a profession 
to support the family. It's not like something that they're doing to, to gain monetary success or monetary, of, you know, um, all kinds of money and things like that. But they're doing it to just be able to support their family. Could it be that Rahab was doing the same thing? But she's presenting this prayer or this request. She's calling out for a miracle and she's saying, will you spare my, you know, my, my, my family? You see, for a hero, the focus has shifted. The focus isn't on ourselves. The focus has shifted. It's about the other person. It's about doing the right thing for the other person. Your center of attention is not on yourself. Listen, in a request in verse 12, it says, Now please swear to me by the Lord that you will also show kindness to my family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign. But that was it. That you will show kindness to my family. In a culture, again, with it's so male-centric, she is kind of paving the way, leading the way, and putting out a powerful request. The next thing a hero, next characteristic that we can see here and that uh, speaks to us living in the 21st century is this. You hold, a hero holds the faith even when others don't believe. A hero will always stay in faith to see God do it even when others say, there is no way. There's no way. There's no way that can happen. A hero will say, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no clue what you're talking about. A hero doesn't do that. Someone that, 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 that has submitted to the Lordship of Christ, and again, I say this every week, I get that we're human, I get that at times we crack and we, we struggle with our humanness, I understand that. But is it, really so, is it really every so often that that happens, or is that a th- common thread within our lives? Is it a common thread that, you know, you know that, that, that we kind of sway, you know, with, with, with our thought process depending on who's around us? And we're always going to have those people around us. They, they say they believe, but when it comes down to rubber meeting the road, they don't believe. They don't believe. They don't take those steps. They don't take that first step into the, into, into, into the Red Sea, right? They don't take their first step into the Jericho. They don't take those first steps because they're scared. They're fearful. That's not a hero. A hero that's full of God's power believes and has faith even when others don't believe. And when I say, guys, I'm telling you, when I say faith, I'm coming, from, I'm coming to you straight from like James, where there's action behind our faith. It's not just talk. It's action behind our faith. It says, I have faith, and, you, and we, we demonstrate it by the way we live our lives, the way we take the steps within our lives. Real quick, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to share with you just a real quick passage of Scripture. Okay? And I want, I want you to pick up on this because I think what you see here is you see someone who is living it out. Paul's describing these people that are heroes in the faith, essentially. And, and they're living it out. And listening to what is happening around them, but they don't lose their faith. Now we have this treasure, this is chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary or extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed. We are perplexed but not, dis- but not in despair. We are persecuted but not abandoned. We are struck down but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. 
Let me read that one more time. And since we have the same spirit of faith, in keeping with what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore we speak. For we know for we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit, so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of our to the glory of our God. Therefore, we do not give up, even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I love the way Paul writes that. Paul goes back to that eternal, that that temporary and eternal thing. There are some people that are around us that, 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 that they're going to lose faith, they're going to lose courage. They're going, you know, when we start talking about persecution, we start ter- talking about being crushed, perplexed, perse- all those things, some people are going to say, you know what, that's not for me. That's not what I signed up for. Where Paul's saying, man, this is just a blip of time. This is just a blip of time. We believe and we focus on what is, we don't focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen, the eternal. The next, the next one is this that makes up a hero. You honor the past to navigate the future. Rahab did the same thing. Notice how Rahab refers to the Hebrews' past. How is it that she knows all these things? She, this is another nation. This is a nation that doesn't even, they're not, they're not Hebrews. They're not part of the Hebrew nation whatsoever. They're not Israelites at all. They're, they're, they're not, but yet she knows these things and she goes back and she talks about them. This is what your God did. This is what your God is doing. This is what your God has done. And because your God has done these things, this is what it's creating on these people. There's fear. But she honors the past, but she focuses on the future. And she says, if your God has done that, I want to be part of you. I want to be a part of you. Notice how she recalls and acknowledges all of that stuff you know, that happens within the, the forming of this nation. She's not only honoring the past, but she's recognizing that serving a God as such will shape the future. Hey, spare me and my family. I want to be a part of you. She, you know, and a theme that runs through the entire biblical text. And she builds on that. In that same verse 12 that we just read, she says this, Now please swear to me by the Lord that you will also show kindness to my family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign. Notice that word kindness. That word kindness is a bit of, a, I think, a misrepresentation from some of the things I was reading. In the original language, the word hest, H-E-S-E-D, is translated into kindness. But the problem with that, as we were talking about, is God kind? I mean, would you say God's kind? He, he, he's kind, but doesn't that kind of leave it flat? Well, God's kind. What do you mean God's kind? God's way more than kind, isn't he? I mean, a couple other words, the better translation or the, the more contemporary translation is kindness. And our, or Let me say it this way. There, this is a poor contemporary translation um, as it comes to kindness in our world because it, I don't think it necessarily depicts our Father in Heaven very well. Instead, as one theologian has penned, he says this, kindness seems hardly enough to describe the one who stands by you and stands by what has been promised against all odds. He would go on to say this, and when coupled with faithfulness, the word demands a stronger translation. I couldn't agree with him more. Kindness. 
There's more to kindness. Hest really means, if we would really translate it out, a better translation would be loyalty and steadfastness. God is loyal. God is steadfast. God is there. God's not going to, he's not some wishy-washy individual. He's not just going to kind of be kind. He is absolutely loyal and steadfast. Our Heavenly Father has proved himself over and over and over and over and over again. Some of us may not have tapped into that. We don't recognize it. We don't really like clue into that as much as we should. But it's not God's fault. Throughout, throughout thousands of years, God has moved. He has been loyal and steadfast. His word has been true time and time and time and time and time and time again. Do you acknowledge his faithfulness, his loyalty, his steadfastness from his past activity in your life to navigate the present in the future. So as I close and the worship team comes back, today you're here. Today you're here. God's talking to you. Or God desires to talk to you. His Holy Spirit is here. His Holy Spirit is moving. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. God's Spirit is here. God so uses His Spirit and desperately wants to commune with us in this deep relational way. God's talking to you. And your first decision that He's asking, um, really of all of us, uh, and specifically some of us, is, is, is will we turn our hearts to Him? Will you turn your heart to Him? Will you open your heart to Him? Or is this kind of another Sunday where we're just hearing the words again? And our minds distracted, our minds far from being here listening to what God wants to share with you specifically. Will you say yes to Him? Will you say yes to Him? Will you say yes to your need for forgiveness? Will you say yes to knowing Him as your Lord and Savior? Will you say yes to submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Will you say yes to Jesus so that we can begin or you can begin a journey that's been wanting, that God's been wanting you to be on for some time. Will you say yes to being the person that God has created you to be? Will you step up and be a hero that God is calling you and created you to be? The Spirit is here this morning. I pray that as we spend time these last moments in song that your hearts would be open to God I pray that your spirit would be would be open to him that you would uh, allow him to speak into your life as I said all of us are heroes if we have a faith in Jesus Christ if we submitted if you've submitted to the lordship of Jesus you're called to be a hero here's the kicker the hero in our in our world means someone that is a little bit greater, right? Someone that has demonstrated some things that are far above and beyond. In God's world, that's, that's a normal word for us. It's not someone that's a far above and greater. It's every single one of us. It's the common factor that that's what we're called to be. We're called to lay our lives down. We're called to surrender our lives. We're called to deal with persecution. We're called to put up with people that disagree with us. We're called to put up to have grace. We're called to, 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 to forgive. We're called to be individuals that, you know, in the eyes of the world, yes, that looks like a hero. But that's the common denominator in God's kingdom. 
Let's go back and read Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Somehow we've taken those and made those into someone different, someone special, where God's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is who I've created you to be. The question is, though, today, will you step up and be the person that God has called you to be? Will you say yes to Him? Will you say yes to Him? Would you stand? And let let me close with a word of prayer. And I would just ask that you would use this time to to respond the way God would have you to respond here this morning. Father, I give you great thanks that you are a God that absolutely loves us. That even when we, we fall to our humanness, that your spirit convicts us, your spirit leans into us, your spirit gently brings us back and puts our feet on on solid ground once again. You forgive us. You give us grace. You allow us to be restored. You fill us with power. You fill us with your love. You fill us with your presence. You fill us with with who you are and your Holy Spirit that's inside of us produces these God-like attributes and the world begins to see something that's different within our lives. I pray that that would be us here this morning. That when people look at us, and it's not for our glory, but it's for your glory. That we are individuals that are submitted and surrendered to your Lordship. And through that, these God-like attributes, this fruit of the Spirit is birthed in us and comes out. Nothing that we're doing, but everything that you're doing. I pray that our hearts would yearn for that that we would cry out for that, that we would step up for that. We would be children that represent our Father in a very powerful way here on earth. Give us the courage to respond to you this morning, Father. Let us live out of our God-created identity. And I pray this in your name.